0: So we want to look at Psalm 41 as we continue to walk through the book of Psalms. I was telling someone today in one of my classes at Brooks, I said, I'm preaching through the book of Psalms. And he said, which ones? And I said, all of them. And uh, he said, well, how long will that take? I said, probably three or four years. And uh, so we're coming to the end of year one and uh, we're in Psalm 41 tonight. And, uh, but we're in no rush. We've got, we've got God's Word ahead of us, and we're gonna, we, we finish the Psalms, and we go back and do it over again. Psalm 41, though, is where we are. I need to tell you again, this is one of those Psalms that if I were not preaching consecutively through chapters of the Bible, I probably wouldn't have picked this one. Then um, you'll, you'll know why here when we read it and study it. But the title of the sermon is Finding Light... In the darkness of betrayal, I don't know about you, but maybe maybe you could say, "Yeah, I, I I've been there. I know what that's like. I've been in the dark times of betrayal. What do you do? How do we learn from David? Well, let's read it. Follow with me, Psalm 41. It is a psalm of David. Remember, the headings are inspired. So a Psalm of David, verse one. How blessed is he who considers the helpless. The Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive. And he shall be called blessed upon the earth. And do not give him over to the desire of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him upon his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to health. But as for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil against me. When will he die and his name perish? And when he comes to see me, he speaks falsehood. His heart gathers wickedness to itself, and when he goes outside, he tells it. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me, they devise my hurt, saying, A wicked thing is poured out upon him, that when he lies down, he will not rise up again. But even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up, that I may repay them. By this I know that you are pleased with me, because my enemy does not shout in triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity, and you set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. And then the conclusion is for the choir director. Our Father, we pray that as we look into the word of God, that you would so fill us with lofty thoughts of your sovereign goodness. That even when the dark clouds of betrayal and slander are looming over our heads, that we would look to Jesus and find help. In Jesus' name, amen. No one in all of human history was more blessed than Jesus. No one in all of human history was ever more faithful and more true than Jesus. No one in all of human history has ever been more loving and more spotless than the Lord Jesus. Indeed, no one has ever lived a life of such integrity like Jesus. And yet, Jesus was betrayed. The righteous king that he was, the Son of God, Son of Man, the suffering servant, he always obeyed God. He always did what was right. He always was reliable. And yet, Jesus had his Judas. He would take the curse, he would take the blackness, the darkness, the hellish night. The dark night of the soul, so that you could be accepted by God the Father. Jesus took the curse so that you could be brought into the light. Jesus took the judgment from God and he bore the rejection from his enemies so that you could be brought into his kingdom and be reconciled to God. Do you remember? how in the gospel record we have that Jesus called the 12 men to be his followers, 12 men, and he designated them to be apostles. In all of those accounts, we read about one of them with a particular designation, Judas, who became a traitor. Judas, who became a traitor. Then John 6, John 12, John 13, in a handful of different times, they all talk about Judas as the one who betrayed him. The one who betrayed him. By the way, even when we take communion, like we will this Sunday, when we read that familiar account in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And he took the cup. So God's plan, God's plan included betrayal of his own son. God's plan, his sovereign plan of redemption for Jesus to come and be rejected and suffer and die. That was necessary in the father's plan for you and for me to be welcomed and brought into the family of God. But you know what? In spite of all of that, hear this. Jesus chose to love his enemies. Even in spite of that, Jesus chose to persevere with his father. Even in spite of all of that, he chose to trust his father. Jesus chose to go to the cross. It didn't, it didn't feel good, and people were rejecting him. He had been betrayed publicly with a kiss but he chose to obey his father. You know, if you have ever been in the darkness of betrayal, Jesus can relate to you. If you've ever had the deep anguish in your soul because you've been slandered against, you've been betrayed, someone has been a traitor to you, Jesus, your savior, can relate to you and so can David. So can David. David wrote Psalm 41, and he wrote it. Um, This gets me every time. He wrote it for the choir director. You know what that tells me? He wanted it to be sung in the public congregation. I mean, this is not like your feel-good song on the radio, I mean, this is, this is a, a hymn that David wrote that is, that is about being slandered against. It's about being betrayed and trusting in God and knowing that there is blessing in following God. Maybe we ought to begin by just defining what is slander. What is slander? I think I put this there in your outline. It is the speaking of false statements about someone else. Or we might even say, spreading false rumors about someone, or spreading information that is not factual. Maybe even spreading information that is not true or partly true. Quite honestly, it's speculation, it's hearsay. And it results in a negative perception about a person. And and slander is something that is so devilish because Satan is the slanderer, he's the devil, the Diabolos, the slanderer. What does slander do? It always separates, it divides, it hurts, it fractures, and it is sin. In fact, just real quick, let your eye look down beginning in verse 5. I mean, just look at the phrases here, right here in our psalm, verse 5. My enemies speak evil against me. Verse 5 ends by slandering him. When is he going to die? And when is his name, reputation going to perish? Verse 6, and when he comes to see me, he speaks falsehood. And then the end of verse 6, his heart gathers wickedness, and then he goes out and he tells it to others. Verse 7, all who hate me whisper against me, and they devise my hurt. I mean, that's people talking about you. As if that wasn't painful enough. It's like the dagger in the heart is verse 9. Even a, a close friend, even a trusted ally has turned on me and lifted up his heel against me. So here's the question before us tonight. What do you do when that happens? What do you do, sadly, not if, when you're betrayed? What, what, what do you do? How, how do we respond in the times of darkness when betrayal happens? comes your way. Let's look at it in your outline together and we'll sort of walk through this and hopefully it'll guide us to the character of our God and the gospel of Christ and prepare us for our prayer meeting. What do you do? Number one, we say with David, I'm blessed. Why would you say that? Because that's where verse one begins. How Blessed is the man. And the Hebrew word is not the word in verse 13 for blessing God. That's the word honoring God and praising him. Verse 1 is the word happy. How happy is the man? How how delighted is the man? How overjoyed is the man of God who cares for the weak, the helpless? Verses 1 to 3 speak about the Lord. And, and, and acknowledges that the man is blessed who considers the poor, he considers the helpless, and, and God is the one who delivers him. God protects him, God keeps him alive, God blesses him. Verse 2 ends God will not abandon him, God will restore him. You know, it's kind of an amazing way to begin a psalm with such a negative tone blessed? How blessed is the man? And yet, verse 3, the Lord sustains him. Verse 2, the Lord protects him and keeps him alive. Verse 1 ends, the Lord will deliver him in the day of trouble. How in the world do you and I get here when the difficult times happen? I don't think it's an accident that this is the same language that we read in Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. It's the same language from Psalm 32. How blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. It's the same language of Psalm 119, verse 1. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How in the world do we live a blessed life? We got to be in the word of God. We got to be forgiven of our sin. We've got to be those who do not walk with the wicked, but we walk with the righteous in the law of the Lord. David, according to verse 3 of our psalm, David is probably sick. He's probably sick, verse 3, on a sick bed. He's unclean. He feels unfit for public worship. And yet he knows in these opening verses that God is the one who will uphold him. God will sustain him. If that happens, you can say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. My God will Sustain me. But then you come to the second lesson that we learn from the Psalm. Not only can you say with David, verses one to three, I'm blessed. But now we come to the thunderclouds. We come to the thunderstorm. It's kind of like the thundercloud above that just doesn't leave. It's just there. Number two, I'm betrayed. Now Notice in verse 4, do you see verse 4, how it begins? As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious. Now look at verse 10. Verse 10 is the same thing. But you, O Lord, be gracious. Verse 4, verse 10, are be gracious. Everything in the middle is pain in the soul. What do you do? Everything is sandwiched by a desperate prayer. God, be gracious to me. Be gracious to me. Help me. Be gracious. He knows that he's hurting. He knows that he's sinned. He knows that he's the object of slander. David knows that he's been assaulted and betrayed. God, be gracious to me. I suppose you and I could maybe write down what are some things that get people down? What is it that gets people down in our day? Well, stress, loneliness, pressures. Unmet expectations, feelings of loss, illness, feelings of inability to change a circumstance, slander and betrayal, and perhaps much more could all contribute to getting a person down. Verse 4 to 9 shows the hypocrisy of trusted friends that are now exposed. And if you and I are going to understand this paragraph rightly, there's no other way to put it but to illustrate it like this. These are like arrows that are shot at a friend. This is like the sword that is thrust into your heart and turned by a close friend. It's like an army that just keeps cornering you and advancing towards you and invading you and drawing near. And then you realize, hey, you were my friend the pain. What does David do? If we could take big picture, what does he do? Go to God, beg for grace. You go to God, you beg for grace. Well, verse five, my enemies are speaking evil against me. And what are they saying? When is that David going to die? And when is his name going to perish? And then, verse 6 and when he comes to see me, he speaks falsehood and his heart gathers wickedness to itself. And then he goes outside and he tells it he's not a trusted friend, he's not a reliable ally, he is a slanderer, he's a liar. Verse 7, all who hate me, they're whispering. They're talking against me. They're devising my hurt. A wicked thing is poured out upon him. And when he lies down, he will not rise up again. They're saying, David is going to be destroyed. This is slander. I mean, this is like the, the perfect illustration of slander. Can I remind you? Of Proverbs chapter 16, 28, please hear this. A slanderer separates intimate friends. Or Proverbs 20, verse 19 says, a slanderer goes about revealing secrets. Or God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah 9, verse 4, be on your guard against your neighbor because neighbors are going around as slanderers. That's what God told Jeremiah. Proverbs 10, 18, the one who spreads slander is a fool. But where does it come from? I mean, where does all of the slander and all of the talk come from? Jesus said in Mark seven twenty two: it all comes from within. Out of the heart of man, these are the things that defile him. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, and slanders is one of them. Mark seven twenty two. And I wish I could tell you, as a believer, you won't have to deal with that. I wish I could tell you that in a family, and a household, you'll never have to deal with that. I, I wish I could tell you that in a church, you'll never have to deal with that. But God tells us in Ephesians 4.31 that slander should have no place in the life of the godly. Colossians 3.8. Paul tells the church, put slander away from your mouth. Even first Peter to the persecuted church. First Peter two, one, put aside all slander. I mean, don't even let there be any lingering remnants of slander. Put it all away. Why? Slander is the devil's poison. It never is good. It never is beneficial. It never helps. It is the devil's poison. Slander ruins. It harms. It separates. It wounds. It divides. It divides. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been there. You've been on the receiving end of slander. You've been on the receiving end of people talking about you. And all that is bad. Verse 9 makes it worse. The worse is when a close friend does it to you. A confidant does. A, a comrade. He, he's a trusted ally that, that that you love. Verse 9, even David says, my close friend in whom I trusted who ate my bread. Now, you and I don't maybe understand all the ins and outs of ancient Near Eastern hospitality. I mean, it's, it's maybe a little bit different than, hey, come on over for a meal at my home today. Let's hang out for a little while, and then we'll Ancient Near Eastern hospitality was you come in my home and we put all, all differences aside. It's like family togetherness. It's love, it's commitment, it's sharing, it's it's a like-minded commitment. David says, You you ate bread with me. We 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 were we were friends together. Verse 9 and you lifted up the heel against me. What does that mean to lift up the heel? It means a treacherous act. It is a public rejection. It is one who cunningly and arrogantly rejects a friend. That's what he means in this little figure of speech, lifting up the heel. It is a treacherous public rejection. Maybe you've heard the account of Julius Caesar, one of the emperors. He was betrayed by a trusted friend, Brutus. There were those who were coming to make war with him, coming to assassinate him, really. And he was putting up his arms to fight and defend himself until he saw saw his very best friend, Brutus. And he said, even you, Brutus? He put down his sword and he was killed. Betrayed betrayed by a good friend. Even King David, King David was betrayed by Ahithophel, 2 Samuel 15. It's not only something in ancient Rome, not only something in Old Testament Israel, Spurgeon, even Spurgeon, the pastor, was betrayed by many of his closest friends. Even his own brother by the name of James betrayed him when James seconded a vote to censure discipline Spurgeon. And Spurgeon said, my heart is sunk within me when he was fighting for doctrinal truth with a downgrade controversy. I mean, can you relate? The pain? Maybe someone you knew, loved, cared for, confided in, shared deep things with, and they, they turned. They turned on you. Okay, what do you do? I want to ask you to take your Bible and go to John 13. Now, I want, I want to sort of get practical for a minute and observe John 13 pastorally for a minute. Now, okay, John 13, you're turning there. It's the context of the, of the last Passover. Jesus is going to wash the feet of the disciples. He's going to gird himself with the towel. He's going to teach them. That's the context here. And if you look at John 13, 18, Jesus is going to quote our psalm. Speaking of Judas, you eat my bread and lift it up the heel against me. So what do you do Can I put it like this? How do you brace for betrayal? How do you prepare? How do you get ready for betrayal? Let's learn from our Savior. I put this there in your outline. Number one, you have to walk in humility. How do you brace for betrayal? You got to walk in humility. How do we know that? Jesus did. He took aside his royal robe. He put on a towel. He stooped down and he washed the feet of the disciples even Judas, after walking in humility as modeled by our Savior, I think a second pastoral lesson we can learn in your notes there is look to Christ. Why? look to Christ. John, Jesus said in John 13, 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I gave you an example that you should do as I have done to, do, to you. Yes, walk in humility and also look to Christ. Look to him. Emulate him. Follow him. Keep your, keep your eyes fixed upon the Savior. Number three, how do you prepare and brace for betrayal? Verse 17, you have to rejoice in godly living. Verse 17, Jesus said, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Christian, as we are living for God, as we are living the Christian life, as we are walking in holiness, Jesus said, you're blessed. You are happy. You are overjoyed if you do them. Fourth, How do we brace for betrayal? You have to cling to Scripture. What does Jesus do? Verse 18 of of our text, John 13, 18. I don't speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but it is the Scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I am telling you before it comes to pass. Verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whom I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. What's the point? Jesus knew the scriptures and he quoted the scriptures. Christian, how do you brace and prepare for betrayal? You walk in humility. You look to Christ. You rejoice in piety. You cling to scripture and you understand that we're in war. We're in war. And I I don't know of any other way to put it, but in verse 26, Jesus said, this is the one for uh, for whom I dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he dipped the morsel, he took it and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon. After the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. This is a spiritual battle. Slander, betrayal, hardship. There's a spiritual battle going on in the heavenlies. And then what do you do? What do you do even with that? I mean, here's Jesus. He just washed Judas's feet. He's showered Judas with love. By the way, Judas had one of the places of honor next to Jesus. And Judas gets up and he leaves. And then verse 34, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Christian, file that away. Nobody wants to be betrayed. But it happens. And when it happens, we don't want to be reacting emotionally in the moment. That's not good. So we want to be prayerfully and thoughtfully planning so that we can biblically respond in a godly, Christ-like way. Here are a handful of ways that we can look to our Savior. Now, before you go to the psalm, I want you to go to Romans 8, real quick. Romans 8, end of the chapter. And I want to encourage you with this. Because David, in our psalm, is acknowledging the slander The betrayal, when that happens, you need to hear Romans chapter 8, and I want you to hear verse 38. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. That's like anything. Anything. Nothing is able to separate you from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. What do you do when you're betrayed? You cling to the love of God found in Christ at the cross. And that is a permanent love. It is a stable love. It is a protecting love. It is an unchanging love. Nothing. Nothing can ever separate you, not even betrayal. Okay, let's go back to our psalm, Psalm 41. So David, just very quickly, and then we'll draw this to a close. David is, 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 is acknowledging, number one, he's blessed, trusting in the Lord, doing good to others, Holding on to his word. He knows that God will sustain him. And yet then he acknowledges, but I'm betrayed. It's been hard. Verse, then number three, he says, I'm burdened. I'm burdened. And his burdens are prayers. They're prayers. Very quickly, verse 10, but you, O Lord, be gracious to me. Raise me up so that I may repay them. You and I think, wait a minute. Didn't God say, do not repay he did for you and me. David is the king. He has to uphold justice. He is supposed to weed out and destroy the wicked of the land. He's the king of Israel. He's supposed to do that. Verse 10, he says, Lord, be gracious to me, help me, raise me up. Verse 11, by this I know that you delight in me, you are pleased with me. Why? My enemy does not shout in triumph over me. Christian, I think we do well to pray that the cause of Christ will triumph and that the wicked will be put down swiftly. I think we do well to pray for that. Verse 12, David says, yeah, but but as for me, Lord, you will uphold me in my integrity. He's not perfect. David is not perfect. He's walking in a life of consistent integrity. And he knows, verse 12, you will set me in your presence forever. That's what we need to know one day. God will put us in his presence in heaven forever. You know what's so beautiful about that? All of the horrors of slander should excite us for the heaven where there will be no more slanders. All of those evils and all the hardships of all the slanders that are all around us will be gone in heaven And then verse 13, you see a little conclusion there in your notes. These are conclusion doxologies to each of the five little books in the book of Psalms. They are doxologies, words of praise to God. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Why? Our God is worthy of worship. You know, just very, very quickly. Spurgeon. Spurgeon knew the darkness of betrayal. He knew it. He felt it. He lived it. He said, Jesus is a confidant who can never betray us. He is a friend who will never refuse us. And then Spurgeon said, I can bear anything for Jesus while his everlasting arms are underneath me. It's a good word of encouragement for us. Christian, I want to end with this. I want you to hear this. You know the name William Tyndale. It was in the year 1535 that Tyndale really devoted his life to translating the Bible into the common language of the people, right? From Hebrew and Greek into English. Why? The Roman Catholic Church wanted to keep the Bible from the people. It only was to be in Latin, the Catholic authorities said. Tyndale said, no way. We want to put it in the common language of the people. Well, on one occasion, Tyndale was betrayed. He was betrayed by a trusted friend, Henry Phillips. Phillips was that friend who led Tyndale out and took him into the narrow alleys of a town, trapped him in that little alleyway. As authorities were there to arrest Tyndale. He would then be tried. He would then be executed in many, many gruesome ways. He was martyred for the Lord because he translated the Bible into the common language of the people. Tyndale said this, he said, Christ is with us until the world's end. Therefore, Tyndale said, let the little flock be bold. It's a good lesson. The, the, the Lord is with us. So whatever, whatever assault the evil one brings against us, whatever messengers he might employ in so doing, Christian, let's remain faithful little flock. Let's be bold. Let's be courageous. Let's trust in our God and lean upon the everlasting arms and the everlasting love of our great God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Even in the topic that nobody wants to talk about or think about or prepare for, But yet, Lord Jesus, you lived it. You were betrayed by Judas. All of that and the perfect divine plan to bring redemption to your people. Oh God, we pray that we would emulate Christ. And that we would emulate David. And walk in integrity in our Christian lives. In Jesus' name.